right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, continuing on in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, lesson 19. Kevin, big picture, though, 505 lessons? Correct. It's pretty awesome. You know, here we are, we're beginning to, to look through the first letter. We know, ultimately, there's two letters. There's probably a, a lost letter in here. So, really, you have two letters written to the Corinthians church. And here's the deal. You know, we were talking about the book of Romans. In Romans, Paul, Paul didn't really have a problem, did he, Kevin, with the Romans? Like, he wasn't like, man, you guys are totally off base. He just said, I want you to practically live out. Remember Romans 11 and on? I want you to live out the truths. With the Corinthians, he had some issues. Like, these guys have some serious problems. I mean, we're going to get into this, but really the first five chapters, I mean, uh, at least the four chapters talking about divisions. Right, Josh? Isn't that the four first four chapters? That's right. First four chapters, just talking about the divisions. We're going to get into that today. Today really gets into that. But here's why, and I love what MacArthur says. The cause of problems in the Corinthian church was, was more than just this external worldly influence. Like we, we talked about Corinth and we talked about how Corinth had all of these issues of, you know, debauchery and people turning to, you know, these, these, uh, these priestess, which really were, uh, prostitutes. And so here you have in Corinth, Corinth was like the center hub. Everybody came through. I kind of picture, and I don't even know Star Wars well enough to even quote anything from Star Wars, but I have this image of that way when they're trying to look for the ship. See, I don't even know what ship I'm even talking about, but I have an image where all of these little creatures, the alien looking people, they're all in one spot. And it's just, do you know what I'm talking about? You probably don't. I totally do. I don't think you know what you're talking about to set me up to succeed. Are you talking about Coruscant? I don't know. That the cap, the capital planet is? Maybe. I, or are you talking about Moss Eisley on Tatooine looking for the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is like, it's just chaos and it's everybody looks different and it's like everybody has their own different ethics. Everybody's, there's gambling, there's a lot of stuff going on. I feel like that's Corinth. And the problem is... Yeah, Moss Eisley. Moss Eisley. Look, Star Wars. Nerd alert. <laughs> <laughs> all I want to just say is, is like, and then you throw in the Corinthian church in that world, and then all of a sudden they are giving into the pressures of the world and the weakness of the flesh. That's really what it's starting to look like. And so that's, that's the issue uh, that I would say Paul has with the Corinthian church. And, and it's really a picture of the church today. And so just as a backdrop here, okay, there's, there's two kinds of people that we'll talk about in Scripture, okay? One is, is you're going to always see the natural, okay? Those are also known as unsaved people, okay? You have the natural and then you have the spiritual, okay? In the spiritual, we can also say those are the saved, okay? Today, when we get into 1 Corinthians 3, there really is two kinds, <laughs> this is going to sound really bad, of saved people, Okay, there's two kinds of saved people. One is you're going to have the mature. Okay, and I like what Wearsby says. At the same time, you will have the immature. So you have the natural and the spiritual. I know this sounds so uh, so simple, but I think that's where sometimes you get confused when you read when, when you read scripture. You're like, who's he talking about? Because the reality is, and I'm going to give a, an illustration, Kevin. If you go to First Corinthians three one, it says, "Brothers, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people." but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. So when you see that language flesh, normally you have the tendency to think unsaved. You know, just naturally you just think because they're people of the flesh. But the reality is, is the people of the flesh are also known as the carnal. So you have the flesh also known as carnal and they're still saved. According to this scripture, they are babes in Christ 
And if they're ba- you know, it, babies in Christ, if they're babies in Christ, it just means they're immature. Okay, so you have natural and spiritual. We're not talking to the unsafe people here. Okay, we're talking to not the mature people. We're talking to the immature people that are dealing with their flesh, dealing with their carnal because they're new little babies in Christ. And so that's kind of the backdrop. So what Wearsby does is, and I like this, he begins to break up these sections uh, in, in different areas and different arenas. So the very first arena that he does, okay, is it's known as a family. I mean, think about it. He calls them babies in Christ. So he wants to begin to talk about uh, the family and the, the, the whole purpose Holy camoli. <laughs> it's a blob of pink. Mm. Maybe if I put a line, it will stop. It's like my bridge. The family, okay, here's the goal of the family, is to see maturity. You want to see growth with the family. Okay, so that's what Paul is talking about, or just blobs. So now think about this. He says, I'm not speaking to you as spiritual people because I can't. I can't speak to you as spiritual people because the reality is you are literally babies. It's almost like understanding like, okay, I was going to use Josh, but that might not be a good example. <laughs> How you talk to Rich is going to be different than my seven-year-old. And that's what Paul's saying. Look, I, I can't talk to you like I would talk to Rich. I got to talk to you like he's Jude and he's just experiencing like new things. And so just kind of have this understanding so that the carnal, this pink is really going to go crazy, Kevin. It's just going to keep going and you're going to keep laughing. But this carnal mentality, this fleshly mentality, okay, is that even though the Corinthians were no longer carnal, uh, they're no longer natural. They're still functioning, not as if they're spiritual. Let me put it a different way. They're not giving full control over to the Holy Spirit. Maybe they don't understand. I think, Josh, you and I, as we go to cities, I think this is one of the number one issues that we see in the American church. It's it's a a lack of recognition that the spirit of God wants to breathe life into us. And so what do we do? We don't even recognize there's a spirit of God. So if that's the case, you're always staying as babes in Christ. Okay, I have to draw another bridge. See if I can get that stopped. So and here's what Paul says. And I love this image. Okay, Uh, because he says this. um, Well, let me back up for one thing. The carnality, and I like what MacArthur says here, the carnality of these believers were indicative of their immaturity. They, they literally had no excuse for not being mature. I think that's really important to understand. They had no excuse for not being mature. Why? Because Paul had already taught them. He had already spoke into them. And Paul is just saying, look, guys, you have no excuse. I tried to pour into you, but now let's just be reality. He says in verse 2, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready. How would you love to hear that from Josh? We were talking about your journals. You were dumping some serious meat into these junior high kids, you know, when you first started at Lighthouse. Yeah. You know, uh, you went there with the food. But the reality is, is, and I don't know the situation, maybe they were ready for the meat. Maybe they weren't ready for the meat. Yeah. And I think that's what's so frustrating is, is Paul just recognizes, look, man, you guys don't get it. That's what he's saying. You just don't get the truth here. I was talking to Sheridan, who works here at Tom Revive, and I just said, you know, Sheridan, uh, I said, when did you, and it was an odd question, but I said, when did, you, when did you transition in your walk with the Lord from milk to meat? Like, could you pinpoint a time, you know, she's always sitting outside my door, she answers the phone, phone she handles the finances, so when I'm studying this, I can kind of just throw out some ideas. And she said something interesting. She said, from 18, 19, 20, and 21 years old, she was just feeding off of the milk. Basically, she was a, an existing Christian without taking any depth. 
But then when she was 21 years old, up until now, her age, she's, she's gone for, for some substance or some food. And I said, what happened? She said, I surrounded myself with people that had the food, that wanted the food. And, and I really believe that, which is why it's super funny to me. When you go to churches today, I don't know, Josh, if you can say this in Minnesota, but you can go into churches and it's almost like everybody's the same in the church. Like they are either all food or they're all milk. It, it feels like that. Maybe that's an extreme statement. What do you do? You agree or disagree in some sense? Yeah. And what, it, what happens is they end up being siloed out. So you got the really deep people over here and then the not so deep people over here. And there's like this chasm in between instead of really being mutually feeding each other. And Which they should be. Absolutely. They but, silo yourself. Yep. And, and it could mean they, they split churches or in their, there's camps inside the church that they create. And what's crazy is who knows how long Paul was in Corinth? Remember the time frame? You watched the little video. Yeah. Uh, 18 months. Yeah. A yeah, year yeah. and a half. Right. Paul poured into this family. You would think that's long enough. But I think that's the point. Look, I have been feeding my family for 18 months and you still can't have a steak. You're still on yogurt. You're still on Danimals. Uh, you know, milk was, it's, I will say this, milk is not a, in a reference to, MacArthur says this way, not a certain doctrine, but it's to the more easily digestible truth, digestible truths, of the doctrine that were given to new believers. So when you become a new believer, you have simple truth. And if you're not discipling somebody, guess what they stay with? Just the five colors of the wristband. They literally just say, man, praise the Lord. I've been saved because of the sin and the death and his love for me. Uh, praise God. If I have faith in him, I get life. A lot of people say, look, I'm good. Look, this is awesome. The scriptures are awesome about salvation, but folks, the scriptures say you need more than that. Not because of salvation, but to experience the fullness of who God is. You know, the salad food mentality, though, is, is that here you have, and I'm going to, you guys can push back, it's fine. You know, some people would say the solid food is it's this deeper uh, picture of doctrines of scripture. Some would say that. The difference is not the kind of truth, but this is what I love, the degree of depth. I love that. I love the image of there's a degree of depth. Like if I started talking about spiritual gifts, right, to somebody that just came to know the Lord, Isaiah, who came to know the Lord in San Antonio at lunch just a couple days ago. If I started talking to him about, hey, man, I really want you to start asking the Lord for a prophetic gift. What I might do is I might start introducing him to the Holy Spirit first and then begin that process of getting to the gifts. It's just an interesting perspective. Spiritual immaturity, though, really uh, makes one unable to receive the richest truths. Spiritual immaturity. Okay, think about this. Really makes one unable. MacArthur says it clearly to, to receive the richest truths. Like I want my four kids to experience depth like they've never experienced before. At their age, I was not even close Close to where they're already at. So I already see depth more than I ever experienced, even all the way up till college. I mean, they have this understanding of gifts. They have this understanding of the presence of God. They have this understanding of discernment in the Holy Spirit. We didn't even talk like that. But the reality is, is guess what? Like, I need them to continue to grow. Their family, as what Paul says, I want my family to mature in the Lord. And I also know how to describe this, but this is the picture that we're after. 
Uh, the problem is, is Kevin, if you go to Hebrews 5, verse 11. Hebrews 5, verse 11 through 14, it's a great description, uh, honestly, of, of where people are at. And it just says, we have a great deal to say about this. And it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Right there, you guys, is an unbelievable point about immaturity, immaturity. I don't want to work towards, I don't want to have to pick this up. Like, I, I don't, there's no study notes here. So, ah, heck with it. And that's really the point. And the point to me, even about the spiritual gifts, the nine main gifts, is that people don't take the time to understand it for themselves. They just come in. They let people speak and pour into them themselves. Well, that's what it is. And I'm done. They're too lazy. We're too lazy to go deeper. Like if I said, could you understand and communicate where the rapture is? Is it even really a rapture? Could you talk about pre-trib, mid-trib and post-trib? You're like, well, does it even matter? No, but I want you to understand more so that you can get prepared for his return. The writer, the unknown writer, just says, man, you've become too lazy to understand. Verse 12. And although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. So he's like, I got to go back through this wristband again. You know how frustrating that is? You lead somebody to the Lord. You go back a year later and they're like, I can kind of explain this. That's what Hebrews 5.12 is. This is exactly what we see frustration with. You need somebody to teach you the basic principles. You need milk, not solid food. Even though it's been a year and a half, you're still sucking from the bottle rather than eating meat. It says in verse 13, now everybody who lives on milk is inexperienced. Isn't that the truth, you guys? Who with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. And this is what I love about the the spiritual uh, mature folks. It's for those who now have been given senses to be trained to distinguish between good and evil. It doesn't scare you if I talk about the demonic. It doesn't, it doesn't scare you if I talk about Satan, the world, and the flesh. Like you can actually walk into an environment, discern that, and then walk in, in faith. You don't have anything to be afraid of because the word of God is inside you. You're ready for more depth. It's funny to me. People are like, oh, I don't, I don't, whoa, whoa, I don't, I don't want to hear anymore. Like, Look, the reality is, is when people talk like that, they're immature believers. That's really all it is. You can say conservative or charismatic. I don't There's no labels on this. Like the point is, is like we want all of those circles to go deeper. And so the scripture just continues on, if you would, in verse three, he says, you're still not ready because you still are fleshly for since there is envy and strife among you. Uh, this this envy, it really is this. Uh, it's a form of selfishness. You know, it's like, hey, I, I, I want what you have. I want what the world has. And so if that's the case, I'm always bringing it in. And then obviously envy produces this reaction of, as MacArthur says, strife. And then that, you know what that does? That creates division. Are you not fleshly and living like unbelievers? Man, that's the worst. Now he's saying to the Corinthians, I can't even tell if, you're, if you love the Lord or not. The point is, as Paul says, I want my family to mature and grow in the Lord. It says in verse four, for whenever someone says I'm with Paul and another I'm with Apollos, are you not unspiritual people? Ah, <laughs> uh, let, let's bring out the soapbox. This is one of my worst, worst pet peeves in all of the church. Hey, what church do you go to? Oh, I'm, I'm with pastor so-and-so. Oh, I'm with bishop so-and-so. Or, oh, hey, I am with, you know, elder so-and-so. And like, they don't even talk about Christ. What do they do? They talk about their leader. Drives me nuts. It's exactly what 1 Corinthians 3, 4 says. So to me, when we do this, 
he says, are you not unspiritual people? That's a pretty forward statement. Josh, how would you, well, how would that go over well with Revive Minnesota? If somebody says, oh yeah, I'm with Pastor Jimmy. And you said, well, hey, what's up, unspiritual person? There would be some issues. <laughs> but that's what we face in the church. That's what we communicate. In Dallas, we communicate this. Like in any city, any city we communicate this. All I want to propose, you guys, is maturity doesn't come from your leader. Maturity comes from Christ. Maturity comes from meat and growing out of the milk. That that's that is what we're after. That's what Paul is after. Stop focusing. And here's what I love. He even throws himself under the bus. Stop saying you're with me. Stop saying you're with Apollos. He says, are you not unspiritual? Like this is truly a divisive product. Nelson says it's so clear of carnality. All of a sudden, we're just products of an organization rather than of Christ. And he just says, look, man, I want our family to mature. There's a lot that we could hang out here and we're going to as we go into verses five, six and seven. But we're going to go back to the pink marker. Lord, Lord, help us. Wearsby says it this way. He then describes the field. And what does he want with the field? Quantity. He wants the the field. The goal is to experience quantity. Okay, you're going to see that in verses 5 through 9a and verses 1 through 4. In verse 5, it says, this continues on the theme of verse 4. It really builds on it. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed and each has the role the Lord has given. I love that phrase. There's no distinction. They're servants and it's okay to walk with them, but realize that God's given Apollos a role. God's given Paul a role. Like when I love going to cities with you, Josh, it's clear you're anointing. You walk out your anointing. You release the worship component. Like there's, it just, it really shifts an atmosphere. It really shifts that. No offense, Kevin. I wouldn't expect that from you. It's all right. I've been trying to get you to sing in Psalms forever and I still can't get you to sing Psalms. It's not my anointing. But here's the deal. Kevin, you went to Minnesota just recently. I think it's fair to say, I don't want you touching logistics, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) I tried it for a couple hours one day. (laughs) I dang near blew up the whole place. It was terrible. Like we, we each have our own roles. You know, you, you really don't want me trying to push buttons behind a camera. Might be kind of comical, but we will probably lose a server in the process. But I want Rich doing it. If you want me booking tickets, okay, I can do it for two of us. But if you want me booking tickets for all of us, I'm going to go to Tom. Because Tom's going to read the big picture and then follow through with the details. I feel like, you guys, that's really the importance that we want us to understand. In order for there to be quantity in the field, you got to understand all of us have a different role. All of us. All of us have a different role. In fact, he says in verse 6, look, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Josh plays one role, Kevin plays another role. If I have to do the planting and the watering, I'll get burned out and it doesn't work. I'm telling you guys, when the body of Christ walks into their lanes, it works. The family matures and the field gets to experience ridiculous growth and the quantity is unbelievable because God blesses it. And that's what it says. But God gave the growth. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. You know how humbling that is to say that, though? You know how many times we've gotten pushback on cities when we come in and we get to actually experience the fruit of their labor? 
But why do churches push back? Because they don't get experience of fruit. They're not okay with just saying, I planted, planted, right? And then we get experience of watering. Like, it's almost like they have to take credit for every single role. If you give credit to what God is doing there and there and realize that God did all of it, it all works. So it works when you walk in humility. But if you think your Apollos is better than the other Paul, we'll never see unity. And we probably won't ever see growth. If we see growth, it won't be the quantity that God wants. It'll only be the measure that you think you can get in your little circle. You imagine if we actually function like Dallas Bible Church works with Oak Cliff and Oak Cliff works with Watermark and Watermark works with Gateway and Gateway works with First Baptist and then we all work with Rich's AG Church. I just like saying that Rich goes to an AG Church. Doesn't matter. All of this, all of this is dependent upon God giving the growth. But please, we must begin to have this understanding of working together. In verse 7 it says, So then neither one, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. How about that one? But only God who gives the growth. Now the one planting and the one watering are, here, this is so awesome, you guys. The one planting and the one watering are one in purpose. The purpose is to see growth in the kingdom of God. And each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So we actually need each other. None of this ridiculous stuff of churches and pastors saying this actually happened. A pastor actually told somebody on our board, why would I want to work with another church? Why do I need to work with another church? Because maybe you forgot to read 1 Corinthians. I think it was Paul. He probably just slapped the guy. <laughs> right? This, is, this requires humility. I have to say, I can't do this without my fellow brothers. It's exhausting. I don't want to do and till the ground out there and plant and do all of this myself. I would love it if Kevin's church would do this with the Dallas Bible. I'd love this if we do it with Rich's church. Like to me, that's what he wants. We're after one purpose. The one purpose, I mean, for me is advancing the kingdom of God, bringing glory to the Lord. I mean, that, this is all what it comes down to. Forgive me, Lord, for saying slap him because... It's frustrating though, isn't it? We've got to stop with this mentality of my field is only my field. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are God's co-workers and you are God's field. And then it transitions into God's building. The point is, you guys, if we're all working in this together, and I, I don't know if we'll have time, but I'm going to just go here. Wearsby says it a couple different things. And I think this is important. Diversity within the field, you guys. There's diversity of ministry. Right? Like, be okay that the arm is different than the leg. The leg is different than the foot. The foot is different than the ear. Be okay with the diversity of the ministry. Like, it's okay and welcome because not everybody is a forearm. And at the same time, we've already read this, but there is unity of purpose. There's unity of purpose. We need to uh, not compete with each other. But do this together. It's okay to be different, but we have to be unified in our differences, not divided. We have to be unified in our differences. Those differences are dividing us, which is allowing us to say, man, we got all kinds of field. We're not one field. Isn't it interesting? He's talking to the church of Corinth, you guys, and he calls the church of Corinth God's field, not fields. 
He doesn't call it fields. I have to just say that because in the American church, everybody has their own field. It has to view Dallas as one big field. That in itself, you know, Itasca County, Cass Lake, Cass Lake, Cass Lake. That to me is like, oh yeah, it's just one place. And we're all workers together. Praise God, Apollos' team and Paul's team. Praise God, but God's going to bring the growth. Let's do this together. And then finally, and I think this is so key, is none of this works unless there's humility of spirit. Diversity of ministry, unity of purpose, and humility of spirit. Their efforts, let's face it, apart from God working, it'd be failures. It doesn't work. (laughs) So there has to be this removal of this attitude of being puffed up because you have so much knowledge, because you know more than somebody else, or you're more uh, academic than this group that's more charismatic. Man, let's just get over ourselves and see growth in the field of God. And Paul just says, look, guys, I I need my family to mature, and I want this field to grow like, Honestly, like we've never seen before. Scripture continues on in, in verse 9. Kevin, again, he just transitions to God's building. And he just says, look, God's building, according to God's grace that, that was given to me, I've laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it, but each one must be careful how he builds on it. I'm just going to read through this because I feel like I'm supposed to release this. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anybody builds on that, that foundation with gold and silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. It's interesting. Scripture says each one's work then will become obvious. For the day will disclose it based on the work you've done. It will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that has been built survives, he'll receive a reward. We're not talking about salvation here, you guys. Okay, we're just talking about your work while doing the kingdom of God work. If anybody's work is burned up, it'll be lost, but he will be saved. That's how we know it's not salvation, you guys. The work that we're doing, in other words, let me just say the last thing here. Wearsby just says, okay, aside from the field, we're talking about the temple. And what are we after? We are after quality. Family maturity, field quantity, lots of growth. And then the temple, look, we want quality work to be done for the Lord. Don't shortchange the Lord. He says, if you do, it's okay. You'll be saved, yet it'll be like an escape through fire. In other words, you'll barely make it. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's sanctuary and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anybody destroys God's sanctuary, God will destroy him. For God's sanctuary is holy and that is what you are. He's saying, you guys, remember the environment that we're in. Like some people would say the temple, we're talking about the body. Okay, that could be part of it. But some people would actually say it's the actual assembly of the church, the body of Christ coming together. So there's a couple different ways to look at it. And I'll just say, yes, (laughs) no one should deceive himself. If anybody among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he can become wise for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God since it is written. And and obviously here we are. we're, We're quoting Job and Psalm 94. He catches the wise in their craftiness, continues on. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are meaningless. To wrap all of this up, it says in verses 21 and on, so no one should boast in human leaders. I love how he brings it all together. For everything, everything is yours. 
And what does he say? He says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, Peter, or the world or life or death, or things present or things to come. And literally you can do a study, which I did. We won't have time to do this. You can break down the world. You can break down life, break down death, break down things present to come. Everything is yours. Break down that's a really unique study. And then he says, in this process, and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. It's a pretty powerful picture that Paul paints to the Corinthian church. He says, guys, I just want to see growth. I just want to see maturity. I want to see quantity of your, of your fruit, of your work. And I want to just see, is it quality? The family, the field, the temple. There's a lot here in the Corinthian church. And that's why we're going to continue our study tomorrow. Have a great day, guys. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks.